What, what episode is this? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> you know, we've never, most podcasts have like seasons that like, <laughs> we just have one big season of uh, 300 and something yes, episodes. 359. Damn. All right, everybody. Welcome to the 359th edition of the Holy Backboard podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage kicking it live in Beaverton, Oregon, doing another afternoon podcast. I guess four o'clock is early evening, but we are doing a podcast where if injury news happens, we can talk about it, which is pretty interesting because the Utah Jazz and the Portland Trail Blazers are playing tonight. So this is going to be your early uh, early in- introduction to this Jazz Blazers game where two of the worst teams playing each other. Before we get into the thick of things, did you know it was Thanksgiving next week? No way. Seriously? Yes way. Yes way. Oh, God. Give me your three Thanksgiving desserts that you don't have to rank them. Just like you get three and that's it. What, what are you taking home with you? We're not really a dessert family. So like pumpkin pie. um, yeah, I think I'm just going to sweet potato pot like that type like the the fall themed desserts like the the fall flavored desserts. I watched uh <laughs> I've been watching Holiday Baking Championship with my mom, so I'm learning like fl- fall flavors or Christmas flavors. So, like those fall flavored desserts is kind of where I'm at. Like yeah, we're mostly just a savory family, so the dessert thing it's kind of like we get something at Costco and then we eat the thing from Costco. Desserts are the best part of Thanksgiving for me. I I, I got to go pecan, uh, pecan pie number one. I mean that's that is I think top tier fall flavors. It is fall flavors. You're right. There's nothing better than having a piece of pecan pie and a cup of coffee for breakfast on on Black Friday. I do enjoy a good pumpkin pie, so I would take that. We actually make a pumpkin cheesecake, so I'll put that there, and then. Usually, I think my third would be just um, any out of the box um, dessert. Like, um, there is a Vietnamese, um, I believe it's a Vietnamese baker that we found at Farmer's Market. And she's doing like an ube pie with like coconut Ooh. cream and like, oh, it just, it's fantastic. Had the pickup not been out in Beaverton? On the day before Thanksgiving, <laughs> which is the busiest travel day of the year, uh, I would be all over that. So just like things like that, like we've had uh, um, some of her pies before. So I like I like tasting other cultures uh, specialties for for the holidays. Yeah, because I, I mean, like my my mom's family owned restaurants and stuff. And like, I can't think of a good Chinese restaurant that has like good desserts. It's mostly like, you know, the the entrees, but other Asian places definitely do. But yeah, we're mostly like stuffing, protein, a lot of carbs. Oh, this year. uh, So my mom's birthday was earlier this month. 
and I got her this Rhode Island food uh, thing from uh, Iggy's is the restaurant. It's like the best fresh, uh, fresh seafood place in in Rhode Island. So I got her this, uh, you know, this kit of all of Rhode Island food. So there's a thing called uh, clam cakes, which is basically like, you know, been beignets are sweet version sweet donuts so this is savory with clams in it so i'm gonna make uh clam cakes for uh thanksgiving as well so we got all the ingredients so yeah i'm gonna make some clam cakes for uh thanksgiving next week jesus i mean that's what you come to holy backboard for right like we're we we talk about a very rhode island centric food (laughs) very hot and cold team really no championship aspirations for the, the near future it's it's all about vibes young talent developing and just keeping games close and that's really what the blazers kind of did this week just was a, a quick two game week uh you are still plus two on the season we both went one and one we were incorrect the kings oh uh, yeah you did win came they away with a 121 to 118 victory in overtime in Sacramento in a game where Portland completely let that game slip away in the closing minutes, uh, which I will detail more um, in this episode. And then another game where Portland was down at one point, I believe 91 77, uh, 14 points to the Lakers, no LeBron, but Portland was missing their uh, fair share of talent as well. Uh, They got within one, but they could never ever get over the hump. The Lakers ended up outlasting the trailblazers uh 116 to 110 dropping portland's record to three and six on the season it's been a series of threes for the trailblazers uh to date three game losing streak followed by a three game winning streak and now a current three game losing streak the standings are way too early we're not even 10 games in but portland would be just on the outside looking in of the plan uh if they were to start today uh but again it's so early uh there's so much newness and there are dang near 72 more games for teams to kind of separate so we won't look too closely into that but sage portland is dealing i think the the first thing we can really talk about uh before we go into like what we what we saw this week was i think we have to touch again on the the injury list because uh going into last week's episode it was okay we're still waiting for you know scoot henderson to return i believe um, tomorrow marks two weeks since he has been out. And I think he's going to be out for another one to two weeks. Uh, obviously Robert Williams, uh, underwent successful, uh, knee surgery. He has done for the season. Uh, Anthony Simons probably still has a month and maybe some change as he recovers from his, uh, hand injury. Shaden Sharp's playing through a hand injury right now. If you look at the, uh, cast that's on his thumb, Malcolm Brogdon injured his hamstring five minutes into the Sacramento game, did not play against the Lakers on Sunday, will not play tonight against the Utah Jazz, and who knows how long he'll be out for. Hamstring injuries are notorious for for lingering, and that's you know a lot of your firepower if you are the Trailblazers rebuilding or not. You've got your backup center, one of the best defensive bigs in the league, and I would say probably from the Blazers' point of view, a somewhat of a crown jewel to that Damian Lillard trade uh, and Robert Williams, who is no longer there. You've got Anthony Simons, who potentially could be the the, the next torchbearer uh, from Damian Lillard on the shelf. You've got your prized lottery pick, number three overall, Scoot Henderson. We've only seen five 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 games uh, of Scoot, and so um, 
when you have a, a rebuilding team, a lot of the fun is in seeing that young talent rebuild. And when you're not able to see it on the floor, and even even if it's not young talent, even a player like Robert Williams, who was it was a fresh face. He he was a a prize piece to that trade. You're not seeing him on the court, and now you're not seeing Malcolm Brogdon. Um, it's it becomes a little bit more of a challenge, I think, for for me as a fan to kind of get ramped up or get excited for for the for Blazers basketball. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love seeing Shaden Sharp out there for forty plus minutes. But like there are a lot of names that if you would have told me we're playing right now, less than 10 games into the season, I, I would automatically be pressing that that red button and saying, cue the bat signal. We need to uh, hit restart. What's going on? Um, it does take a little bit of the luster off of the regular season. Like, again, we've talked about this. Wins and losses don't really matter. But it, development is a huge factor. But when you don't get to see those players you want to watch develop, um, like Sage, to be honest, there's like three players I, I think that are really worth watching right now. And you, you've got Grant, Aiton, and, and Sharp. I mean, we're not really even seeing Rupert or Murray. And I'll throw Jabari Walker. I think he's. Been, I, I think Jabari's um, been a Jabari's very been nice good. surprise. And then I would say Tumani has been a nice surprise, but I think it's more of the fact that he's the second uh, second round pick coming out of nowhere, but. As I'll also discuss later on, I would like to temper expectations. Thank on you, Kamara, as, as well. Um, so it's just it's a little bit of a bummer that so much of our off season um, isn't playing right now. We're not even getting to see the full rebuild on display. It's like not even at half half capacity. So like it's it's going to be a rough um, a rough go until we can get all. At least not all, not all of them will be healthy, but at least we get the majority of the guys back into form, and then we can kind of see what we got and who needs to be moved and who needs to shine, and we can kind of start to make decisions building the roster, uh, really for the for the foreseeable future. Like right now, we're just kind of seeing what what we got. We talked about you know desserts earlier on. We're kind of trying to make something, but we have some of the ingredients. Some of the ingredients either we ran out, we got to go to the store. You know, we're waiting for them to come back on the shelf. So it's just, it's not going to be a finished dessert. The one thing I do like about the, the, the scenario where we're going through, it would be so easy for us to tank. I know it was really early in the year, but it would be really easy for us to just not even try. And there are teams that are actively tanking. Like the Washington Wizards are not playing Kuzma more than 30 minutes in a competitive basketball game. Like it is an eight point game. Like I saw it on a, a, a underdog fantasy. They had like a 90% chance of a win with seven minutes left up 14 and they lost like, dude, they, they got out scored 21 to one by the Raptors. Mm-hmm. That's and hard I was to watching do. that game. Like that, that, that's also hard to do. I don't know why you're subjecting yourself to Washington with DFS baby, but that's a, that's a game casting where you just, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. He got me points. I, I more power. We have Pascal I, I Siakam. When you have Pascal Siakam on like 70% of your lineups, you need to look at it the entire time. But like you, you see Jeremy Grant playing 38, 40 minutes. You see Shaden Sharp playing 38, 40 minutes. At least we're seeing players that are skilled play the game. Cause I would be like, if they were like, like the Washington wizards aren't even playing Ryan Rollins. They're playing these guys who like Gallo has a rotation spot. We know what Gallo is. So like, at least we're seeing 
what Jumani can do. At least we're seeing what Shade and Sharp can do with a lot of a lot of minutes played and how well he's doing in like a statistical way. Like so at least we're seeing it because we could easily be pulling the plug. Let's see what some of these bums got. At least we get blessed with seeing Shade and Sharp play <laughs> amazingly large amount of minutes every game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm glad the games are competitive. Um, definitely keep me on the edge of my seat when I'm when I'm listening on on the radio and then going back and watching the tape. And it's it's not just, you know, uh, skip, skip, skip. You know, you're down by 30 like they were against the Clippers and Sixers yeah. earlier on. It's it's definitely worthwhile to rewatch those games because it could be really easy just to be like, no, that was a blowout. Let's skip mm-hmm. to the next. I would say I am a little concerned that somebody brought it up on Twitter that Shaden Sharp's getting the Jimmy Butler, Tom Thibodeau treatment circa 2012. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. He's playing, he's playing 40 minutes on an extended, it's, like it's, every it's game. Floor. It's, it's up there. Like, so he, th- he's on that Nick nurse track right now of just playing everybody. But I mean, like the, the one thing that I'm really just hating, like we're playing, we're playing our two NBA quality wings a lot, but there's, Chris Murray's playing like five minutes a game. And I, 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 in that Lakers game, I think he had a really, really dumb three second call and he never came off the bench after it. Get, get these guys, these young guys who are on the end of the bench some minutes just so you know who, who's, what Chris Murray's about, what Ryan Rupert is about, because them just chilling on the bench really isn't helping. But at least, at least we get to see major minutes of Shaden Sharp. Yeah, that's probably been my biggest complaint is there are Chris Murray minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, there have to there have to be. Like you drafted this guy at 20. First of all, you traded Josh Hart, who is a rotational player on a home court advantage contending New York Knicks team. Mm. You trade him for a first round pick, falls at 23. I think that's solid value. You take Chris Murray, who was considered by most to be a safe pick, plug and play, ready to go. And he's just stuck behind a few guys and I don't quite understand the reasoning. Um, I, I get games have been close, but I mean, a, you have a first round pick who's 23 years old. Like he needs to play. Like, it's not like he's 19 years old, like Ray and repair who you can, if he doesn't really play more than a hundred minutes this season, that's fine. Cause he's got, you know, the remix, obviously mm-hmm. and there's a lot of untapped potential, but the selling point for Murray was this guy is a three and D floor spacer like really just basically what you need what you need and i honestly do think he could help i don't think he's the cure-all i i don't think that portland's offensive struggles are going to be solved by by a rookie but i do think he would alleviate some of the problems that that i've been been seeing and a lot of the data has has backed it up like the biggest thing I put in my notes for this episode was there's just no offensive structure when when you watch the Portland Trailblazers. Like, I've got league pass. I you know Ari's teething. So again, I wake up and I'll uh, the Denver Nuggets on. I'm watching the Denver Nuggets. Like you watch them play for a full 48 minutes, even without Jamal Murray. Rarely do they take a shot that leaves you scratching your head. Like they value every possession. They know how to move the basketball. I get it. They have a generational talent. But even when Jokic is off the floor, that that is a well-coached, well-oiled machine that knows exactly what they're doing. When you're watching the Trailblazers, really think about what the action is being set up to run, right? Too many times, especially in that Sacramento game, is 
action is leading to Matisse Thibel being the mm-hmm. one to make the ultimate decision. Whether he's open in the corner for a three, spoiler alert, there's a reason he's being left open, or he's closing out and trying to drive and, and making a decision, which that is definitely not a, a strong suit. And on a to set me, defense, too. It isn't yeah. they're they're not scrambling. They know Matisse is coming and we're gonna and to me, it, if if the action is to get somebody a, an open corner three, that's beautiful. It can't be Matisse Thibel. Like it needs like that's exactly where I think a Chris Murray could come in and I would love for him to get those oppor- same opportunities that that Matisse Thibel is is getting. I, I think there's everybody knows what Matisse is going to provide a team. Everybody, he he's been in the league for a long time. We talked about his draft. I talked about how great he was going to be in a in zone where because I saw the 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 future of zone being a thing. Everyone knows what Matisse is. If you're going to trade him, they just need to know is he healthy. They don't need to be showcasing him. Every bit of the Matisse minutes should go to Chris Murray because we have no idea what he can do in that next level. And I, I when I watch Chris Murray, he's ready to ha- have the ball in his hands. He's ready. His hands are right here, ready to shoot it. He, his, his hands are already at his shooting pocket. Like, he's ready to go. And I, the, when I saw him and Jabari on the court together in those four minutes, both of them were ready to t- take and make shots. You know Matisse isn't ready. So, like, I really, really, really enjoy the preparation that Chris Murray is showing when he's on the court. It's just the ball doesn't swing to him or whatever. And then some really ridiculous mistake that Chris does, and he's on the bench for the entire rest of the game. But when he's you in, he's ready. You mentioned the ball not swinging, and... Obviously, the numbers look terrible across the board for for the Trailblazers. They are last in offensive rating at 105.2, last in points per game, 106.4. They are an ISO-heavy offense. Um, They are last in assists per game, Um, 21.6, 25th in turnovers per game, 16.1. That is a terrible assist-to-turnover ratio. The the spacing is is, is horrible. only 27, 28% of their points, 28% of their points come from threes. That is 27th in the entire NBA. There's only 30 teams. You have a ISO heavy offense that is not making the extra pass. Well, um, just think we, about we who's doing the ISO stuff now. It's we not even fourth, fourth in unassisted two point field goals. 55.2% of our field goals are unassisted from from two. That that's that's showing me that too many times it's a it's a five out or they're just running a high pick and roll and everybody else is standing around. I always tend to watch the opposing broadcast uh for a plethora of reasons. One, I just don't get subjected to so many ads and it's not as busy. Mm-hmm. But I also like to hear what they have to say about us. I know what Calabro and Herd are going to say about our guys and I I just I that's fine. I, I been there done that i like hearing an outside perspective to kind of get out of my portland bubble in terms of basketball so the king's announcers like there is the if you go back to watch the game the five minute mark of the third quarter grant gets the ball and he's going one on three and you can see shade and sharp ready to catch the ball calling for the ball and jg just throws up an awkward off balance air ball and the announcers are just like they're trying so hard not to overly criticize an, an, an opposing player, but you could tell how appalled they were by some of the decision makings that that Grant was was going on uh, during stretches of, of that game, trying to be, you know, the man like there's 
So this was the Sacramento Kings game that you're talking about. That was about, the right? Kings game, yeah. So like, they're not I give JG some credit on this one because Malcolm Brogdon got injured. We weren't prepared to play without Malcolm Brogdon. So I would much rather have JG isolate on Kings players without De'Aaron Fox than let Skylar Mays do it. No, so the I, problem was, Sage, he's not just going one-on-one. It was literally one-on-three, and they were swarming him. And there, Shaden was easily in his peripheral. Like, I one-on-one, sure. Like, I don't even care about Skylar Mays taking that last-second shot because, one, it went in and out. He was having a decent game. But it was it was one-on-one. That's, that's fine. It's these dribbling the ball into oblivion with multiple guys draped on you. Like, it's like LaMarcus Aldridge. When teams would send a double to him early in his career, he got so flustered, like he had no idea what to do with the basketball. It's kind of the similar situation when defenses see Jeremy Grant with the ball. It's not that he doesn't get flustered. It's just he doesn't see it, doesn't want to see it. He just knows it's JG time and the ball's going up. And to your other point of the Blazers not being able, not being prepared to play without Malcolm Brogdon, isn't that an onus on the head coach to get your team prepared for multiple situations not during the king like you assume that malcolm brogdon is going to play then then he gets the 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 injury and shit just happens and you know so i've been i was curious about jg and his stats because i think that we i think aesthetically it kind of sucks to see him do the the one the isolation on a very set defense so I took uh, Malcolm Brogdon off the floor. I took Scoot Henderson off the floor, and I took uh, Amphrey Simons and uh, uh, Time Lord off the floor. Did you know he is one of the best offensive players in the league, efficiency wise, with all of those guys off the floor? So in the in the times where, like where we're at injury wise, he's like he's I think like a top ten efficient offensive player. And then when you put him and Shaden on the floor together, Wemby's the most efficient player. And then uh, Tyrese Halliburton's two. Jeremy Grant's three. So I know aesthetically there are plays where it's absolutely horrible to watch because he's east-west dribbles. But when he's north-south or when he's catching shooting or when he's trying to create, it's good. And it's really like... He's he and how Shaden big is are that really... sample size because he's shooting sub 40% on the season, and that's horrendous. That's not efficient. I mean, let me look, but like to me, that's one where like the numbers are lying to me. I'm just using the times when those guys aren't on the court, so like right now, but I mean, it's 165 possessions. I mean, right. It, it's every game right now because of how injured we are. Like he's he's really efficient with his scoring in in these times when all these players are off the court. Like Shaden Sharp and he are basically like Dame and and Luca with the ball in their hands. So like maybe it's small sample size, but it's a sample size that we have. That I mean, it isn't going to change for a while. Where it's it's Shaden and and, and Jeremy's being our like lead guys so right now jeremy should keep shooting and honestly shaden should too both of them are really really efficient with scoring with all of these guys off the floor so i'm fine with jeremy shooting catch and shoot threes it's the the cj mccollum special 
I don't think I think that these plays are just so bad that you latch onto them. But I mean, I, you I literally at, just watched the tape like la- it was the last thing that I, I know you, te- you texted me and that made yeah. me like want to research like what's really going on with this with this offense. And he he's, and also he's almost as efficient as Wemby. The plays are so bad and they're so magnified. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the Blazers. They play boneheaded basketball. Like they are up four with 80 seconds left to go against the Kings. They have the ball. What do they do? They turn it over. Jeremy Grant dribbles the ball off of his leg. They're up two with 26 seconds left and they have the ball. Skylar Mays runs into the teeth of the defense, leaving 14 seconds on the clock. They could have ran the clock down to four or five seconds without even shooting the basketball. Then they're tied at OT, 116. There's a two-on-one fast break. And Mays, instead of making a simple pass or running it back out, tries to throw the most egregious lob to DeAndre that I've ever seen, resulting in, again, another turnover. We're a dumb team, Dustin. We're a dumb team. Tied at 118. Grant goes one on three. He lost the ball out of bounds. Like, I I appreciate you for pulling those numbers, but like, that's, I don't think anybody with a, like, if you're a GM, you say, can you pick like five players? Like, you could pick 30 players ahead of Jeremy Grant right now. And I'm not trying to pile on him. It's just, I think there is a selfishness that I've seen in Detroit. And now it's coming over to Portland with kind of the big dogs who have departed. And I think he's fabulous as a third or fourth guy. It's, and I'm sure Chauncey is definitely, imp- I, I don't think yeah, this you is know, it's, it's Jeremy. not Jeremy Grant, just absolutely. Yes. I, I, Chauncey yeah. is empowering this behavior. He is probably telling him to continue on. So um, there are plenty of areas for improvement on the Blazers. Um, Holy moving, shit. So switching gears to Chauncey Billups, um, this is year three. He's he's had a contending team. He's had a star-driven team. And now he's had a young rebuilding team with, quote-unquote, you know, his guys. Um, but I still think I'm, I'm, I'm still left wanting more whenever I, I watch a Coach Billups coached team. You know, there's times in games where he just leaves his challenges and he, he never uses them. Um, we saw in that second Memphis game we talked about last episode where in the, the the overtime period, Taylor Jenkins just puts DA out in space again and again, and there's no in-game adjustments. This uh, against Sacramento early on, they, they ran so much action off the curl. And even the announcers were just like, keep running that until Portland stops it. And it would really allow the Kings to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. So are is this who he is or is there room for him to grow? Like, you know, he's in year three or four of, of a contract, obviously as a team option for a fifth year. Um, no, he sucks. It's yeah. Like, we're, we're the most uncreative team offensively and i think with who you have on this on your squad you got to think about being very creative scoot henderson right the second cannot shoot a three-pointer matisse thibault cannot shoot i know that statistics are saying that he can but there's that there's that context that there's also a reason why teams want him to shoot exactly living with that shot exactly so i don't think that he has the creative juices to create an offense that is good enough to compete 
And then defensively, we just get abused and abused and abused by, I I mean, it, it kind of feels like we just don't have that dog in us defensively, where we just die on screens. And then, you know, like, you put DA on on uh, Desmond Bain, who's just absolutely on a heater, and there's nothing he can do except give up two points. So I, I think that there's a lot of principles we're just not, we just don't have offensively and defensively. So you mentioned dying on screens, and I've seen a lot where they are fighting over the screens, and then you've got help come. So let's say, you know, it's a, it's a classic pick and roll. You've got the, the guy fighting over the screen. I'm seeing that commitment, but when it comes to the ball handler dumping it off, there is not any help side defense. No. There is no weak side help. There's no rotations. There's no talking. It's just like, okay, we made our one move on defense, and we we don't know. We're done. We're done. Remember when Hassan Whiteside was on our team? I, yes. I complained about this a lot. Um, He goes to take, take the – he goes – Damien or CJ or one of our guards just lets the guard through penetration wise. And Hassan has to challenge the guard. And then there's no help to get the rebound. I think I see that play a lot where for whatever reason, the guard gives up penetration directly to him. The center rotates DA and then nobody helps the helper. It's the same thing. So it, you know these guys have played AAU and college and G League and all of these different team like levels of game. You know help the helper has been said a million times in every situation. But for whatever reason, in on the Trailblazers, we haven't helped the helper that much because there's way more we get happy when when we do the right thing defensively. And it hasn't happened that much where we just do everything right. So I, I I just don't think that our coaches have the attention of the players. And if they do have the attention of the players, they're not saying the right fundamental things to get them to play winning basketball in any sort of way. So it's just bad cult. It's like the potential of bad culture with, with this team because they're just not doing the basic fundamentals that, you know, have been taught from, you know, seventh grade on where you have to help the helper if they're, they're they're helping you you have to help them play on a string defensively and it's just not it's not even a thing speaking of our our bigs um i've been very happy with what i've seen from deandre ayton this year uh he's averaging a career high 12.2 boards per game but we've both discussed the lack of attempts that that he's getting he's shooting a career low 9.6 field goals uh per game i mean it's He's playing a similar amount of minutes. His his point production is is down. I think a lot of that has to do with the turnover at guard. We came mm-hmm. in expecting all of these guards, and now we're kind of point guardless. Um, we both kind of uh, texted about this. Scoot Henderson returning from injury should really like I, the number one thing I want to see. And, and if the coaching staff doesn't do it, I think that's another. I think red check mark on their kind of report card is get DeAndre Ayton involved. If you, if you look at that, that Kings game, he had a run at the end of the fourth quarter that should have put the game away. Like he was hitting middies. They were running action for him. And it just seems like every game this year, there's like a four or five possession stretch where they feed DA Mm -hmm. and it works and they just completely go away from it. But 
I, I hope that when Scoot returns, he was really developing such a great rapport with him, especially in that Detroit game. The lobs, we're seeing Shaden now running pick and roll action, throwing lobs to him as well. Like, I think that needs to be a emphasis, a priority. If, if I'm a Blazer coach, like this guy's shooting near 60%. He's mobile and he's dominating glass. Like let's, let's reward the big fella a little bit more. Like there's no way he should be averaging under 10 field goal attempts per game. So and he's I, staying out of foul trouble, mm-hmm. except for game one, he's staying out of foul trouble. I, I, I just think if I, if I was to talk to DA, I would be like, bro, we just don't have the guards to get you the ball. But when you, when we get scoop back, you're going to have a higher usage rate because like he's just not part of our offense like essentially he's just not no he's he's basically the garbage man right now and it's really the reason why the blazers are being as competitive as they are i believe yeah they're fourth and second chance points uh 16.9 i would bet most of his attempts are off of hustle plays like or off or offensive rebounds well that hustle plays yeah yeah because like if shaden if g g g drives and then the 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 opposing players box out and or or you know help and then DA gets the rebound and scores. I feel like that's like the Kobe assist is probably the highest and most uh efficient way of him scoring right now just because we can't it's not like Skylar Mays he's trying hard but he's not gonna see the uh his his vision is very direct in front of him. He doesn't really Skylar have Mays' vision is very blurred. Yeah like he's, he's he has no peripherals yeah, there's a reason I'm not being too hard on Skyler Mays. It's because he wasn't really expected. He he was a he's not a player. point guard. He was a two way player who's now converted to a full time roster spot yeah. because of all all of all the there. injuries. And he, he's doing his 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 best out there. But he is he's not a point guard. He doesn't see the floor. I don't think he's got the best decision making skills with the ball in his hands. Um, but yeah, I, I think even without the point guards, I would love to see the ball put in Shaden's hands a little bit more. I know he's needs to work on the handle. I know he loses the ball a little bit too much. It reminds me a lot of honestly, Marcus Mariota at Oregon, even during his Heisman campaign, like he had just a tendency to lose the ball in the pocket, get it stripped easily. Um, Shaden's got to work on that again. It could be a product of the thumb injury and the lack of space. Honestly. Yeah. There's just too much upside there for me to, to not want to see more. Like, I think there is two man game, uh, potential there. Like you're losing games already there. There's no reason not to develop his, his playmaking chops. And and I think he's the best thing about Shaden. He's a willing passer. I think he's one of the only two on our team currently that are. There's there's two willing passers uh, because Rob, Rob's hurt and Scoot's hurt, so he's the only willing passer. Well, I think that who, I forgot who the backup point guard was. Uh, we I'm brought him up from the G. He was a willing passer, but really, it, it's Shaden. Shaden and Jeremy have to make all the decisions now. I I would love it if we ran some more pick and roll, so he he can get that those reps down. But like. When we had a competitive roster, um, there there's a a thing in 2K called peaking where you set someone sets a screen and then the shooter peeks over the screener and shoots. You saw you saw Shaden Sharp utilize that a lot when we had more spacing. Da would set the screen at the three. Shaden would move around him and peek it and shoot threes. There's no peaks anymore because of who the fuck are like we don't 
we're not threatened. The the opposing defense is not threatened by who we have on the floor. So they're just going to blitz Shaden Sharp when he tries to use screens. It, it, but I definitely see him trying to peek through all of these screens to shoot. It's just because of who we have on the floor. He can't, he can't attempt it because he is the, the sun and the stars of our offense right now. It's him and Jeremy Grant. And if it, it's not those two, it's just, well, let's just see what happens. I mean, we're going to make the stop because Skylar Mays isn't a two or, or isn't a one. So it's like, once we get some players, back in circulation i think things will be a lot easier but right now it's just we're playing we're playing we're just rolling the ball out and seeing what happens there is no structure there is no schematics what we're doing offensively and honestly defensively as well so it's just we're just wait we're just killing time till at least a few more nba players are on this team because right now it, it it's very limited on who is an nba player and who's you know just happy to be there type of thing before we go into uh, a look ahead at this week's slate of games, I'd like to temper some expectations, not trying to be negative, uh, but to Mani Kamara, um, when I watch the games, like a lot of times I'm like, oh, Tumani's out there. Like, I just, I don't notice him and mm-hmm. he's either stuck in a corner um, and then all of a sudden he'll have like a great hustle play. Like, I, I think he's a great hustle player. I think he's working on his defensive chops. I think he's got good length, but you know, you've texted me like he's not really a guy you're going to run offense through. Um, he has a four percent usage rate. You're not really. He's, you're not even getting a lot of three point attempts from him. No, they don't even respect him enough to sh- defend him. He's 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 taken eight threes over his last uh, five games, including two games with not even attempting a single three. Um, kind of getting Batum rookie year vibes no. in terms of in terms of do you do, do i don't think you remember batum rookie no, i year. don't but he i know batum's play, talented with the, the ball in his hands he didn't do that though okay. like he, batum rookie year played the first five minutes of the first quarter and the first five minutes of the third quarter and then just put him in the corner and that's all he did if he, if he got a like it's just like he was kind of invisible out there and that's just kind of what i'm i'm getting from from tumani and just it's not all his fault like i just i don't think if he's not creating like if he's not going out there and getting an offensive rebound he's really not touching the basketball like there's they're not even trying to run like cuts for him to go through or again maybe it's coming down the floor space there's no room to cut but it's i just i I think a lot of people are are hyped on him and it's like okay that's great that a second year player or second round pick is is Mm a ton of minutes he's got more minutes than all of other second round picks combined and I, i'm happy that we got him in in the eight and deal but i need to see a little bit more before i get like too pumped um i mean you 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 told me a few weeks ago he he might be the shining star of the the deandre ayton trade he could he could he could he's had some really good moments this year and for a second round pick that's that's awesome i um, i th- it's it's a very weird thing because I, I see trend in Watford in him because yeah. of the decision making that he does mm-hmm. is real bad sometimes. I know that he knows the rules, but I don't think he actually knows the rules where like he'll drop the ball out of bounds on a on a given play, like just straight up drop it. So it, it's trended at least produced when he was in. 
I think there's going to be games where Tamani just does the Tony Snell zero 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 zero. So it, it's, I think what he is is a low usage rate guy that plays hard, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would want my low usage rate guy that plays hard to come off the bench and be my eighth man. So he's yeah, he's also playing more, in a position where it that's isn't more beneficial. Where I'm coming from is like I don't see small forward of the future vibes. I just see like could totally be a rotation guy, like in great value getting him in the I don't think he's a three at all, though. I think he's a four. You see how me moves? He just has no lateral quickness to his game. Like, we saw old man Joe Ingles go by him left and right on him. Like, there's a problem when you got a guy that has massive leg injury problems going by you because you can't move laterally. He's really explosive north-south. He isn't east-west. I think that it, it... when he if he ever plays at his peak, he is a four or a five, not a three. So we're just putting him in a situation that is so unfair to him because I I just don't see the three at all. He's just too slow laterally. Like honestly, all of our threes are too slow laterally. Like Matisse Thibel, I don't think we've actually said it. He's not a good defender anymore. He tries hard. Mal- Malik Monk was having his way with him. Yeah, I, I I just think that the only way Matisse hits is if it's a power wing that is the the engine of the offense. It is Malik Monks are are, are just going to go crazy on him. It needs to be like a worse version of Jason Tatum, and then I feel confident. But he just doesn't have the the East West defense anymore. Kind of reminds me of when we had Robert Covington. And we asked Robert to yeah. fix all of our defensive uh, deficiencies. And Rob was just a really poor on-ball defender. But he was good off-ball. And, and he was good at deflecting passes. And that's really what Matisse has been beneficial this year. Is like he gets his hands in the passing lanes, gets a couple of steals. He'll disrupt the defense. He'll play a good uh, center fielder. I feel but, like he's a strong safety and we need a corner. Oh, you need someone on, on Revis Island. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need Dion. And like... I see uh I see Matisse as Laurent Landry, someone who's real, real strong, but really doesn't have the moves to really do what he needs to be done. He's a strong safety, and we need we need some corners. We need some lockdown guys. And it's okay to have those, you know, free safeties and guys out there who play good off-ball defense, but you have to be surrounded by at least a couple of good lockdown defenders that can make it difficult and, and throw a lot of you know wrenches into the to the opposition's offense it can't just be like oh we have one good off ball defender we're all of a sudden going to be a, a great yeah, exactly. defensive team like you have, have to put some pressure on the offense you have to put some resistance up and you know make life a little bit difficult but again we're talking about it's one of the youngest teams in, in the nba dealing with quite a bit of injuries as we look at the schedule sage the blazers uh play tonight in Utah against the Jazz, it is a, a in-season tournament game for for those. Did you uh, hear who, about uh, the inter- in-season tournament issues? The courts, yeah, like the cameras. Did you hear about the cameras? Yes, I did. It, They're like, not able to track the any the, player the data. Yeah, the player data. Did you see that Dallas isn't going to do it anymore? They're yeah, not they going to do the the specialized mal- court malfunction. Mm-hmm. Court malfunction. Yeah, yeah. the the courts are a bit much. I actually like all of the trophy decals uh, back in the middle part of the 2000s. That's what the NBA finals had a big ass trophy in the, the center of the court. Oh, so Tumani's starting by the way. So if you remember, um, 
the Heat Maverick series, the Lakers Celtics. She's a big trope. Like that, mm. that's dope to me. I just think it's a little garish with mm. the like to do a strike. Like Milwaukee's court wasn't too bad. As long as you, I think the more hardwood you have on the the you know wood color, better. A little bit of pop of color. I think they went over. Uh, they just went over. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally cool with the in-season tournament. I'm fine with them making it feel special. It's cool to have a different court to look mm-hmm. forward to. Just a little bit too much, a little bit too out there. Um, but Portland will then have a back-to-back um, tomorrow against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Friday, the Los Angeles Lakers in another in-season tournament. And then Sunday, the Oklahoma City Thunder come to town for our first look at Chet Holmgren. Uh, four games on the slate. Let's uh, get these uh, quick and dirty. Mm-hmm. Utah tonight, you said Tumani Kamara is starting. Starting, official. Who? What's the matchup you're looking for with so many injuries on the Portland side? Jeremy Grant versus John Collins, who's offic- available to play. I mean, you can't really go guard because... Shaden really doesn't have anyone that he has to defend, like I guess Jordan Clarkson, but really John Collins is available to play full minutes. I want to see Walker Kessler's out. Oh, so Kelly Oubre would probably play majority of the minutes at Kelly five. Oubre plays for the Sixers. Other Kelly Olinick, sorry. There you go. Kelly Olinick will probably play major minutes for the uh, Jazz at the five. So I guess it's DeAndre and uh, versus uh Olenek and uh, John Collins. They're starting. They're starting Keontae George right now. I yeah, I saw that. Um, they're starting. They're young. They're the young mm-hmm. and small. They got Keontae at the one, Ochai at the two, Jordan Clark Clarkson also in that backcourt, and they've got Collins and Markkinen. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Um, I think for me, it's going to be daring Utah to shoot from from downtown, and I think Portland has to win the paint. Like they're they're good at second chance points. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they're fourth in the league. This is a game for me where DeAndre has to get has to get busy. Get him the ball, force him the ball, get to the free throw line. DeAndre is averaging 0.3 free throws per game. That's horrendous. That's yeah. not all on him, but that shows the lack of would you put Jeremy on Lowry and and DeAndre on John? Oh yeah, you can't yeah. have DeAndre unless Will Weaver uh wants to do pick and rolls and get those switches, which he he, he might. He probably can, yeah. It, it yeah, it, it's just a. Uh, I think we win this game, but I think it, Shaden Sharp has to be real, real precision wise with all of it, the usage that he gets. So I, I think the Blazers win versus the Jazz tonight. I'm gonna go Utah victory. Last game of a, a long, weird mm-hmm. road trip. Um. It's going to be close. These these past few have been close. I just don't know if Portland's going to. I don't think. I, I just don't know if they're going to be smart enough to to give DeAndre the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think talent wise, they're very equal. And playing Utah is probably going to be one of the few games where Portland could escape with a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers on Wednesday, uh, second night of a back to back. First game back home. That that's going to be pretty tough. What do you look for in that one? Um. So Garland came back from injury and was limited for the first few games. Now he's playing full minutes. Uh, Jared Allen might be on a limited uh, amount of minutes because he also returned from injury, uh, I think, around the same game. 
So honestly, like I, I feel like because of limited minutes, Jared Allen, DeAndre Ayton has to win that one-on-one matchup. And Evan Mobley just defensively is amazing to watch. I really, really enjoy watching him play. The the Cavs just are going to out-talent us. Even yeah, if, I've, like, I've, I've got the Cavs yeah. winning this one. I don't know what Portland does with that backcourt. You're going to have Skylar Mays uh, versus D- Darius Garland. Mm-hmm. Like that's or Donovan. All-star, all-star yeah. versus two-way. Donovan feels like he can have a 50-point night if he wants to. I'm going to be interested to see who Shaden guards. Uh, I want to see him defend without fouling. He He's had a tendency to foul when he goes up against um, – Good players, top tier offensive yeah. talent, and I also noticed in that that Kings game specifically, he he sometimes he and it could be a product of fatigue. He he has some really dumb fouls, mm. and as one of the major contributors of this Blazer roster with so many injuries, mm. he has to be uh, selective in how aggressive or non aggressive he is on defense and when to let one go because uh, he was not available in that overtime period. So can he? How's his stamina going to be on the second night of a back-to-back? Do you um, put him on Donovan, or do you put him on Max Struess or um, the the three? Karis LeVert? Or, this is a developmental season. You need to get thrown into the deep end. I, I want to see how you handle how, him. How important he is to, offensively to us, though? Yes, because the, so the, the goal isn't to win this game. The goal is five years from now, we're talking about Shaden Sharp, how people talk about Anthony Edwards, right? How people talk about the great two-way wings. Like, the only way you get great defensively is by playing the best offensive players. Now, if he gets two quick fouls, you don't just, I don't think continue to throw him out there against Donovan, but you, you know, you take, take him, maybe put him on Struce and then second half. Okay. Go back, figure out what you did wrong. Like, I think you have to let him experience everything because if he is who we want him to be, he's going to be guarding Donovan Mitchell and he needs to Donovan Mitchell type players. And he's going to need to, to figure that out. Like, I watched um, the closing minutes uh, last week of the the Timberwolves and Celtics overtime in Minnesota. Anthony Edwards has five fouls. Tatum's calling him out, and Anthony Edwards accepted the challenge. And Isolation Island went used his arms, used his instincts, got got a tie up. Like mm. he wasn't, you know, he he's getting that experience right now. How to defend while he's in foul trouble against maybe one of the best offensive players in the league and. There's just no simulation. You can't no. read about that. You can't watch it. You have to really uh, go in and do it yourself. And so, you know, if he if he has a, a crappy game where he's in foul trouble, like, okay, like that's that. We'll live with has, this this year. We'll live with yeah, it. Then he has to learn from it, right? Like right. that's that's where the development grows. So that's what I'll be looking for. We both have a loss, and that one. Uh, Lakers come to town on Friday. I mean, it just happened. If Anthony Davis is going to attempt more free throws than your entire team, I think it's going to be a a long evening on on Friday. Uh, I think LeBron was a late scratch. Yeah, he was the game on Sunday, but um, it just says he's day to day right now. They're still missing uh, Gabe Vincent and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, Anthony Davis, of course, day to day Davis is day to day right now for their game uh, against Memphis, but. If they have their full slew of of talent, that that's going to they, they present so much size mm-hmm. that is difficult for Portland to match up with. Oh yeah, and 
you can't. I mean, I don't feel good about putting DA on AD. So it's it it, 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 it even if we are at full strength, we're taking this loss because size matters in basketball, and AD just as 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 a player is just so special right now. So yeah, we we lose. It, Yep, they it's, it's we used to say like we have Dame and nobody else does, and that's why I'm picking the Blazers to win a game. Well, the Lakers have that card, and they may have two of them if mm-hmm. LeBron plays as well. Like AD at 30, 13, and six with three blocks. It was on, repeatable too. It was yeah, efficiently and repeatable. Yeah. Um, I don't think we get another 70% outburst from from Cam Reddish, but I also don't think you can expect D'Angelo Russell to shoot 36%. Mm-hmm. Um they're getting overall from the season good Christian Wood minutes. Um, as Portland lacks bigs, he's somebody who's given us fits in the past. Yep. And uh, we just don't have anyone that could defend him for long stretches. And this is a team like is this is playing. a team that if you have Anthony Simons, you have Scoot Henderson who can up the pace, spread the floor. We could can, outscore him if we had all of them. You can outscore, you can get more three-point attempts up, but like as Portland's currently constructed, we play right into the Lakers' hands because the Lakers aren't they're, – they're a very poor three-point shooting team. They shot four of 19 against us, but we did not take advantage in that game um, They just want Sunday. Lakers just want you to drive into Anthony Davis and get blocked. Yeah. And Portland's not – We're really willing up. to do that right now. We're not currently set up to to kick it out and, <laughs> no. and, and you know, spread the floor yeah. with, with three-point shooters. We, 13 of 37. Like, ugh. That's, yeah, Lakers kind of have. I know they don't run a two-three zone, but they kind of do. Where when you have Anthony Davis as you, that banker, yeah, just draw everybody to AD. He's going to block at least half of it, and he's going to get. He's going to contest or block at least three th- fourths of all of these shots. All right, rounding out this week, and before we wrap up this episode, is a Sunday game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Probably the game I am most looking forward. That's amazing. To tuning into uh, OKC is kind of set the blueprint for all young teams how to build through the draft and accumulate assets. And they are uh, six and four currently on the season, and they present also a lot of different challenges. They're mm-hmm. one of the most unique teams to prepare for. They've got a large backcourt in SGA and Giddy. They've got Lou Dort, who we talked about, is that type of isolation defender. Um, and now they've added uh, Chet Holmgren, who and is, Jay Will, both of them. Yeah, who is could be a first team All Defense mm-hmm. as, as a rookie. Like he's he's that special. So, um, are you surprised? Because I'm not. As a rookie, I'm always surprised when when rookies. Well, to be fair, we're ten games into the season. I want to see how his body holds up over eighty two. Um, I'm not surprised he's this good i'm surprised this good this early yes yeah yeah i i he's just so smart like i i I think with evan mobley being the start of this like there's these really really skilled defensive bigs that are just so intelligent they can just take out half of the court defensively chet's one of them jaris is one of them evan's obviously one of them we're gonna see him like Yeah, like there's just dudes that just map the court out so well defensively. So I saw it. I saw it getting Gonzaga. He, he he's that dude. He has that type of mentality and intelligence to defend. So 
it doesn't look good for us. I think DA is going to get into foul trouble because Shea's just going to drive it on him. And there's, there's no resistance from where Shea drives to, to DA to protect him from picking up fouls. I think this might be a quick one for DA. Just the relentlessness of Shea Gildress. I think the, the game plan needs to be what teams do to us and they just pack the paint. I think we need to pack the paint defensively mm-hmm. and Dort, Giddy, you know, Jay Will, Kassan Wallace, Uzman Jang, Aaron Wiggins, like shoot threes. If now, mm-hmm. if, if they go in, tip your hat. Like SGA is the one you don't want to get busy from three. I probably wouldn't give Chet too many looks from three. Isaiah Joe's is the one guy you got to stop. But for the most part, you, you can't let Shea and Giddy get downhill, mm-hmm. get to the line, throw lobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to clog the paint and you have yeah. to play a little bit of a messy game, I, I think, to keep this one close. Uh, this one concerns me quite a bit just because of what they present in terms of the size and their mm-hmm. versatility and all the offenses that, that they can throw at Portland. And with Portland being such basically a, a G league plus team right now, and having so new, so many new faces, the communication clearly isn't there. Um, we haven't seen a, a, a blowout in, in a while. I'm afraid this one might be one of those just because I just don't know. Portland has the, the horses. I don't to, think so either. They're, they're gonna yeah. So uh, fun fact, I don't think I predict the Portland win one game this year. <laughs> yeah, and that's why that's why I'm ahead by two, because I have. Well, you, right. know, you said you the Memphis, we'd won one Memphis game. Oh, that's right. And I did say Sacramento. Okay. Yeah. I don't feel too, 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 too crappy. I mean, um, it's but we we're not winning against good this. smart teams. We're gonna yeah. win we beat teams that are just as bad or worse than us. Yeah. Um and we also hope the Warriors keep losing. Right now, that pick would be 17 for the Blazers. So, the Dude, more did the Warriors you see lose, how bad Andrew Wiggins is playing? Yes, he's got a he's forward, the worst small forward. If, in if the there's league. a worse rebounder at the forward position than Jeremy Grant, it's it's Andrew Wiggins. Somebody, well, no, no, no. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is like not good enough to be in the NBA right now. Dude, he has a seven percent rebound rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he has a usage rate like that is one of no. He his fantasy points per minute, which I know isn't a re- really good stat. But it's like at four point zero point four per minute. It's like he's playing the worst. He's like a G League level player playing with thirty five minutes. All right, Sage. I think that wraps this one up. We will be with you all uh, next week. Hope you all have a. If we don't see you before the holiday, have a great holiday. Well, we probably will because we are degenerates who love uh, Portland Trailblazers basketball. All right, we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere where you get a podcast, we are there. We're also available on YouTube where you can watch the uh, video fully. And then we are available on Instagram. um, And we are on TikTok as well. TikTok handle is the Sage HB. So check us out. We're available. And um, NCAA is happening. So be prepared for uh, some future Fridays. So Uh, I know there's some games that I really want to watch that are going on right now. So peace out, everybody.